moving across town was like moving to another city. Right. Huge. It was a huge. And it was like a whole new thing. Like, oh my gosh, my life's different now. It's like I never actually ever spent time on the east side. Even I've lived here forever and I never was the east side. I was always like west sider because that's kind of like UCLA and where I grew up, you know, where I initially grew up. And I was like, wow, this is like a whole ecosystem here. That's pretty amazing. I love it here. I mean, people are like, what's it like? I'm like, oh, it's like Williamsburg, I guess, compared to New York. Hello and welcome to Here in L.A. at Water Village Edition. Today, we sit down with Audrey Wu, a fascinating woman who's created a company whose sole purpose is to help women before and after they give birth. Apparently, Mother Nature does a doozy on a woman's body after she brings life into this world. And often, health insurance doesn't help when she needs it most. Well, Audrey has an app for that. Sorta. In her beautiful home with Tiffany Blue Walls, Audrey will tell us about this super important startup that she created and how she's raised over three million bucks to get it going. Let's rock. Hey everybody, I am in Atwater Village with Audrey Wu. <laughs> Hi, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting me into your beautiful home. Of course. We're in a, what color per, uh, blue would you call it? I mean, this? it's Tiffany Bluish. Tiffany Blue. Did you paint this? I did not, but I have a guy called Sergio Magic Hands. <laughs> Legit, because he actually doesn't use painter's tape. And he's done a bunch of my houses. This is, yeah, no painter's tape. And the edges are perfect? Yeah. What's, he's just got that touch? It's he's literally, just a pro? in my phone, he's literally Sergio Magic Hands. Where'd you meet Sergio? My friend. My friend had Sergio paint their house. And she sent the contact to me and it said Sergio Magic Hands. He's done my parents' house too, actually. Did he do this? This uh... Yeah. He did all so, of it. So I'm looking at the edges. It looks perfect. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Wow. <laughs> and he does it all by himself? He doesn't uh -huh. have assistance? Nope. He's a little fellow too. <laughs> He, did did you want this color? Yeah, I picked you all the picked colors. Out the color. Yeah, Tiffany blue. Well, because it contrasts really well with our artwork. So, so it's it is a unique color. It brightens up your day. Um, yeah, and it a lot of it was just because we had some artwork um, that we really love that contrasts really well with a blue background. Mm -hmm. I love it, Tiffany blue. Perfect. Okay, you're a native Angelino. Born and raised, um, born in Santa Monica, oh. moved to the San Fernando Valley when I was a kid, very young, so probably so like- St. John's you were born? Uh, yes, St. John's. How did you know? How many other hospitals are in Santa Monica? <laughs> yes. Yeah, St. John's. And then um, when I was about two or three, we moved to the valley to Woodland Hills. What did your parents do? Uh, my father was an engineer, and my mother got her MPH at UCLA, um, but ended up just being a stay-at-home mom. Uh, brothers and sisters? No, I'm an only child. So mom was waiting for you to come home every day. Yeah, that was intense. Is it intense? It was. A good intense or a bad intense? Uh, it depends, but you know, <laughs> it was just a different time back then, right? Like we didn't really talk about fertility. We didn't really talk about those other issues because it was so taboo. So it was always kind of sensitive when people were like, you're the only one, you know, and it wasn't like a lack of trying. It was just... For some reason, mom and dad couldn't do it the, the old-fashioned way. That's, you know, yeah. Totally normal. It's a different time, you know. But but also, I imagine back then, there's like all this guilt and emotion. Yeah. And there's not a lot of other options, there's right? There's no one to talk to, right? And there's no options, and you don't really know, and people just, it's very, very hush-hush. It's almost embarrassing, which it mm. is not now. Right. It's totally normal Yeah, now. it's very normal now. I mean, why do we think there's so many twins? I mean. Oh, is that why? <laughs> <laughs> so uh what high school uh well that's that's two actually um my home school was taft mm -hmm. and um it didn't wasn't really my jam it fell a little bit to dino 210 i did go to taft for about one semester it was just not my jam so i transferred because prior to taft i was at a magnet school so i was actually a sepulveda um which is like a gifted magnet and then I decided I'm going to try out my homeschool because the commute was really long. Mm -hmm. And I tried my homeschool and I was like, oh, it's not really for me because people were getting Beamers for their 16th birthday. It was, At Taft? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So, so it was too bougie. Yeah, it was done at two one zero. It was just too much, and I didn't feel comfortable there. So I ended up going to another magnet school where a lot of people from my junior high end up going to, called Van Nuys. Mm-hmm. Um, Van Nuys High. Mm-hmm. Where they shot Fast Times at Richmond they High. They did Fast Times at Richmond High. Wow. Guess what? Marilyn Monroe went there. Did she really? Instead of Paul Abdul. Did Paula ever come back? No, or? none of them are. No, but it's just it's an amazing. Yeah, so. Spicoli, all of that. Yeah. So I went to school at Van Nuys. Um, it's a math, science, creative arts magnet. It had different programs. So it actually allowed us to get a really 360 education because mm-hmm. while I was in the math, science, I still had access to the creative arts program. Right. And I got to I was part of jazz band. I took acting classes. It was so fun. What did you do in jazz band? I play piano. Are you a good piano player? I still play jazz now. I have a piano in my office. I interviewed Esther Tseng. Uh I believe she's from Taiwan, mm-hmm. which you are too, right? My or her family. family. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. And she kind of joked, well, of course, I play piano and of violin. Of course she did, yes. You, you, you fell into that same role. I did, but um, I play for fun now, and I mostly play jazz. Um, I don't play any – I can play classical, but um, I play a lot of jazz. When I hear jazz piano, I'm hoping it's like Thelonious Monk. It is, actually. Thelonious Monk. And then um, Cannibal Adderley. Yes. And then I do a little bit of stormy weather. You know, that's kind of something. So that's what you like to do. I do. It's fun. And Broadway music to his chagrin, my husband's chagrin, because. He doesn't like Broadway? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Whatever. But you love Broadway. I don't love it. I mean, I I didn't love Hamilton. I know it's a little, like, controversial, but I did not love it. But I loved. What didn't you love about it? It just wasn't for me. I I really (laughs) love Rent. Um, Huge Rent head. Um, You're not into rap? I had seen in the Heights many years ago and I actually met Lynn Manuel. Ooh. Before he was like this megastar. And I thought it was okay. Like in the, it just wasn't I I like Andrew Lloyd Webber. I'm like a mm-hmm. classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, I saw My Fair Lady recently and that was amazing. I never seen it. Where'd you see that? Uh Pantasia's. I love that place. Yeah. It's a great place. Yeah. That's where I saw Hamilton. Did you see Hamilton? Oh no, there? sorry, sorry, not the Pantasia's. What's the other one? Um no, Hamilton was at Pantages. Dorothy Chandler? No, the Kodak. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, other than the Oscars, I've only seen one concert at the Kodak, and I felt like it's too tall. It, or did you have really good seats? I didn't have really good seats because I was, like, not ready to invest in musicals at that point. <laughs> you know, like, okay, so during COVID... I was like, oh, man, you know, like all these Broadway stars are doing these things like there was a rent thing. okay? and that I'm a rent head. I love it. So I was thinking to myself, when COVID's over, I'm going to start going to Broadway shows. And so I started looking at the tickets. I was like, let's just get balcony at first. You know, like, let's move our way up (laughs) um, just to see if we still even like this. But so I was in the balcony with a woman that kept singing along and going like measures ahead. So she was saying, yeah, I was ready to kill her. Yeah. I finally, like, during intermission, I moved to another row. But, Good. oh, man. Yeah. So then I saw it. I was like, this is really beautiful. Like, I didn't know it was about a pair of gay men mm. who tried to make a woman more womanly. It was very weird. I didn't know they were gay. Well, they lived together. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about um, Breakfast at Tiffany's until I actually saw it. And I was like, she was a hooker? Yeah, there's a diker side to everything. I mean, but like, this is an image that every teenage girl has on her folders and posters over her bed. Just we just allow on. this to happen. It, it, different it, times. Different times. Different times. I mean, sometimes when you look at things from the '80s, it's cringeworthy, right? <laughs> but it's what we grew up with. Yeah. We knew that that was just how things were. Things were kind of like inappropriate a lot. <laughs> so you end up going to UCLA. Mm-hmm. Why did you stay in L.A.? <laughs> um, it, it didn't really have much of a choice. Um, my, well, okay, I did have a choice, but my parents went with, both went to UCLA, oh. and it was kind of like legacy. Mm. It was pretty much you're going there or you're going to another UC, but that's where you're going, and thankfully I got in because that oh, would have so been— you're okay with going to UCLA? It's a good school. It's a great school, but still, it doesn't sound like it, your heart was in it. No, it wasn't really the right fit for me. I think I would have done better at a smaller liberal arts school because I was just a little bit too punk rock, I think. Really? For UCLA, yeah, I was too edgy. People didn't Ex- get me. Explain your punk rockness. 
I mean, it wasn't even punk rock. It was just like, I listened to the Beastie Boys, yeah. you know? And I was going to like Oasis concerts. I was going to like Breeders concerts, right? At like, I don't even, where were they playing down here? Like, I can't remember the places. But the the iconic uh, Oasis concert where the brothers freak out on each other, mm. I was there. Was was that here in L.A.? Or yes. Was, like at the bowl or somewhere? No, it was a tiny, tiny place. Oh, Crap. really? It's, An indoor place? It's still here. I like can't a remember club? The, yeah, I can't remember the name of it. Hmm. What's my mind? Yeah, I was there. So we were watching the documentary, the Oasis documentary not that long ago, and I was like, Mark, I was there. Wow. Yeah. So that maybe ages me, but yeah, it was a very fucking good show, and then they lost. Nothing has aged you yet. <laughs> you relax. But, but yeah, I will say after the Oasis concert, my ears ringed for a good couple days. So on stage, they 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 yelled at each other. Yeah, they had. Like they, a, but they finished the show. Yeah, it was this whole thing. I remember they were trying to tape it for, a, you know, they were taping it, and then I think somebody got upset. I can't remember the whole thing, but I remember watching that documentary and being like, that happened. And also, what happened? OG time, OG, OG, back when Morrissey played UCLA and people stormed to the front. Yeah, I was there. That, like at Royce Hall mm-hmm. kind of a place? Oh, not Royce Hall, uh, Paley Pavilion. Oh. There was a, yeah, people stormed to the front of the stage and I was, wow. yeah. So you're like a K-Rock girl. I'm a K-Rock girl, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say that's punk rock, but you think that was still too punk rock for UCLA? Because everybody I met at UCLA was like from the Bay Area and they were all hella this, hella that, you know, and all this like <laughs> fucking stupid ass rap shit that I was like, what the fuck is this shit? I'm like into Nirvana, you know, like what? Okay. You know how good? Like how what? Like So basically everybody that went to UCLA that was in my dorm was from the Bay Area. And I was like, you all like, I don't know what this like didn't you have is. a lot of friends from high school that none of your no, friends from high school went to UCLA? Oh no. No. Huh. Yeah, my best friend at high school ended up going to Vassar, which in retrospect what a great school for me. Really? But, you know, my parents weren't allowed to let that happen. Were you in any clubs at UCLA? Um so I actually tried to simulate for a little bit and I joined the American ACA American Chinese Association. Yeah. This is <laughs> very reminiscent to what Esther uh told us that she grew up in Wisconsin with um conservative parents had to go to this conservative church. She wasn't into it. Um because she had other brothers, though, mm-hmm. who stayed in Wisconsin, she got into UCLA and was like, goodbye. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. And even though she's Taiwanese, she um, joined the Chinese Chinese club and became the president of the Chinese club. God, I wonder if we crossed paths. I bet but you did. We might actually know each other. That's really weird. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Honestly, I only like kind of tested it out like maybe freshman and sophomore year and then realized like this is not for me. It was even that even that club wasn't for you. Well, I was trying to simulate. I was trying to fit in, mm-hmm. and I didn't really fit in anywhere because I was a little bit too K Rock, I guess you can say. There weren't a lot of us at UCLA. That that surprises me. Maybe I just didn't meet the right people. But I was an art history major, so I don't even have any friends from my own major. I don't know. I mean, because who are those people? I don't know. They were just like, I, I mean, listen. I just did not find my crew at UCLA. So unfortunately, I didn't have that quintessential like college experience that was like four years of like amazing like. Did you have a boyfriend? Um, did I? I don't know. I mean, oh no. Yes, yes. At times, you don't no. Know. At times, I mean. Okay, I'll put it this way for you. Well, first of all, what's your astrological sign? Sagittarius. Maybe that explains this. Did you tell a boy at UCLA that you loved them? No. You didn't have a boyfriend. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I just didn't find. And, and, you know and all the guys in our history were gay. So like. Oh, were they? Oh, of course. I mean. I don't know. Yes. All. Yes. So all the boys were gay. And it's all women. Or there's all women. Uh-huh. Uh, where did you live after the dorms at UCLA? <laughs> the dorms. Um, I left right after UCLA. No, no, no. But like all four years you were in the dorms? No, 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 no. I lived in Westwood Village. Like right like? across the street from like In and Out Burger. Yeah, what was that like? It was cool. I mean, I loved having an apartment. Um, thankfully, we had parking spots. It was great. It was really nice to have your own apartment at that age because you're just like freedom, right? I mean, dorms are one thing, but you still have like rules and stuff. 
So living in an apartment was great. I uh, the Whole Foods wasn't across the street back then, though, right? Dude, no. <laughs> what was what was what was there? Was that in the movies? Were like a Gelson's or something? Gelson's. Who's saying diff? Well, it was something that was unattainable for college students. It shouldn't have been there. Well, you just it, you couldn't afford anything. To me, Westwood Village is one of the most curious places because when I first moved to LA in the eighties, because I'm older than you, um, the village was the place to be. No, it's dead. I know, I know, and it broke my heart. It sucked for me because I wanted an actual college town. Yeah. And I got to visit Berkeley and I was dissuaded from going there. But I was like, that's a real college town. Like, wait, what is this? Like, half the stores are closed. Yeah. There's an Olive Garden, <laughs> a CPK or whatever. And you're just like. Was the Westwood uh, Brew Co? No. Not that was after there? me. No. It was so sad. That was like 99 or. There was a, what's that? Irish bar. Yeah, Murphy's or not Murphy's? No, it's still there. But the one that's really close to to the In and Out. Yeah, what's that yeah. place called? Yeah. Well, that was the thing. Was uh, I think there's three neighborhood councils that oversee Westwood, and they all basically there was one shooting a long time. Yeah, ago. Yeah, it was a gang thing, and then they, everyone freaked out, and then it became a shitty town. And they said no bars, no new bars, no places with a pool table, and no dancing. Oh, that's what happened. Oh my Did God, you ever dance in the village? It is like Footloose. I did not dance in the you village. You never danced in the village. You're right. That's why. Oh, fucking Footloose, man. Yeah. In Westwood. Meanwhile, back in my day, there was a three-floor uh, uh, dance club right where your apartment was. Oh, man. And Michael Jackson would go there for fun to dance. Wow. Because I guess he lived in Encino. He would just go over the hill. Yeah, right before five. And it was super close. Wow. So, Gosh, I mean, yeah. And to me, Westwood Village has more potential to go back to that than anywhere else because all those storefronts are closed and because you've got these UCLA kids who are dying to party. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. I mean, I ended up going to frat parties. Now, that's sad. When you're, like, trying to get Natty Light or the Keystone, Keystone, whatever it is, so that's, that's what your Saturday nights ended up being at a frat house. It's disgusting. Doing like questionable kamikaze shots somewhere. I mean, shocked. Nothing. I never got roofied. I mean, fuck. Are you a religious woman? Um, I grew up religious. And do I still believe in God? Yeah, I do. But... Oh. Not in a Bible thumping way, right? What I, church did your parents take you to? Uh, it was a Protestant church. Protestant. Uh huh. So pretty liberal. My parents are very liberal. Mm -hmm. Um, really, really unusual for immigrants. Yeah. What What turned them that way? Uh, I think they just had to. You know, I think also growing up in Taiwan, Taiwan is a very liberal country. Mm. So when that becomes the first like foreign country to actually legalize gay marriage. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Are your relatives also kind of like your parents? Um, not all of them, but I do have family members that are LGBTQ, and um, it's very accepted, and it's okay, you know. And Fantastic. It, and it wasn't before, but I've always been an advocate, so these days, you know, it's just accepted. That's so great. Yeah. Um, okay, so you finished UCLA, and... What was your first big job out of UCLA? <laughs> At UCLA or outside? After. This is... You got a you got an art history major. It's a plot twist. You didn't really party that much. I did. I mean, oh, you did? I just didn't party with college students. I ended up partying with young professionals. Oh, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, so I hang out with a lot of investment bankers and corporate what? lawyers. What? So this... Okay, hold on. Was this in Westwood or nearby Brentwood? I, just wherever we would hang out. I don't know. I was just going parties and stuff. And this leads into my first job out of college. So senior year, you know, I mean, I'm dating like corporate lawyers that are fucking adults, you know, and like hanging out with investment bankers on the weekends partying and like, you know, because whatever, I'm 20, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and when it came down to getting a job, I was like, oh, your job seems kind of cool. It pays a lot. What's it you do? I'm an investment banker. I'm like, I want that job. So... <laughs> I did minor in business administration, so I'm not going to like say I didn't know anything, but I really didn't know anything. It was kind of shocking I got a job in the space. So I got a job in New York, and they 
in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very competitive place for this. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> I know. Right in Midtown. Smack in the Midtown. A big-ass bank. And um, with the big-ass salary that my dad was like, what? This doesn't make any sense. He goes, wait, they're paying you this and this signing? Wait, what? And he goes, this is not real. I go, uh-huh, it is. I'm signing it. Bye. So I left right out of college because I needed I needed to do my thing. So I was in New York for six years. I was an investment banker focusing on mergers and acquisitions or murders and executions because you get that one. <laughs> um, and but I hate mergers. <laughs> Should I? Mergers? Why? Because, well, first of all, competition. I think competition is good. Com- well, for example, but- we have maybe two Internet providers in Atwater Village. Maybe we, three. We have Spectrum and it's horrible. If there were 20 internet companies, it probably wouldn't be horrible. Well, it's also just about... And Spectrum had bought Time Warner. Time Warner yeah, had bought... So, so, so... Telco is complicated. I worked in media entertainment, so it was most, mostly about buying content, right? The content library. What did I want? I want that content library, and this is before technology was a huge play. Yeah. So we were buying, basically, libraries of catalogs from other companies. And so that's kind of what I did, and it was really fun. And then I worked on some other smaller size deals in, you know, software, uh, mainframe. Th- no, it wasn't mainframes. No, it was all software stuff. And then I did some consumer good stuff, some e-com stuff. Were you good at all this? No. <laughs> I couldn't, like, use Excel to save my life. Like, my first job, I was like, what is Excel? Why have I never seen this before? And I legit know that people thought I was stupid. Because I saw it in writing. <laughs> I went back into their files because those guys didn't private things. And I found the notes from my interview. One guy was like, this is the dumbest person I've ever met. But we're still going to hire her? No, he was Jerry Jr. They didn't give a shit about him. No, the guy that hired me was UCLA grad. So he's like, I'm bringing her on. Nice. So in any case, oh, and I interviewed with Steve Bannon. I forgot. This is a good story. Yeah, so this is getting really good. Because he is a finance guy, right? So Bannon actually was part of the team in entertainment and media at that time. Wow. Did he know what he was doing? I I interviewed with him. What was it like? He was like different. He was like, first of all, he was like actually in shape and Mm. um, wore a pinstripe suit with uneven pinstripe lines. I mean, he was all very like. He didn't have the three polo shirts? No. Wall Street. HBS looked just like what he lived in LA. So his office was in LA, mm. but I was technically with his team because it was media. And then I was like, Whoa, I didn't know what happened to him. And I was like, what happened? I mean, I was always a little scared of him, but like in investment banking, you're generally just scared of all the senior guys because they basically just yell at you. But wow, yeah. So Stephen Bannon was one of my bosses. So, okay. These people are yelling at you. You're yeah. feeling out of place. Well, Why, so, how did you, how were you able to stay in it for so long? So here's the thing. I Nobody really yelled at me because I was really good at like, and they also just kind of like, they liked me, for a better word. Nobody ever sexual harassed me. People always ask me, was there a sexual harassment? I go, no, actually, the only sexual harassment was from a client. Oh. And it was inappropriate and it was at drinks after hours, yeah. but never with my team. I've never... Everyone's always just taking me under their wing because, you know, I'm like the spunky little girl and they're just like, oh, my God, we love her. She's got energy. You know, we want to protect her. So I felt that I even remember one time that my boss is like, I was like, can I come to this meeting? They go, no, we want to shield you from the bullets. And I was like, mm. OK, that's great. Yeah, it's unusual. Unusual for me in my field. So let's get the heck out of New York. OK, thank God. And let's <laughs> way fast forward to today. Mm-hmm. Today, you are a co-founder of a... Femtech startup. Femtech, you call it. Yeah. Okay. I just interviewed the um, the executive director of Vidiots in Eagle Rock. And they are very proud to be female-owned and female-run. Yes. And when I asked her what's the, the advantage, basically, of that, I think... I think she gave me a good a good answer. Why is femtech? So we're better? solving a problem because women's health has basically been developed by men. And a lot of the things that we do now, especially when it comes to postpartum pregnancy, was developed in the nineteen seventies. Oh. So we're 
listen, you can get dip pills any which way. It's covered by insurance. The government pays for it. But Lord and behold, a woman after she gives birth, it is not pretty. You're peeing your pants. There's just all sorts of things that people don't know about. And other countries like France and England, it's normal to have this care. But in the United States, it's broken. You said dip pills? Dick pills. Dick pills. Well, Viagra. I mean, oh, I see. Okay. Viagra is covered by insurance. Right. Yeah, and the government also pays for a significant portion of it for the military. Huh. Yeah. But for women... We don't get this care. Insurance doesn't cover it. Um, basically, so after... you know, During pregnancy and after pregnancy, a lot of shifts happen with your body. And they can be like your pelvic floor, which is really... Everybody has one, right? It's a hammock thing that holds everything in. And when you get birth, you push so hard that things happen. Mm. And for years, it was taboo. People didn't talk about it. But in other cultures, like Latin culture and Asian culture, is after you get birth, you get like at least 30 to 40 days to heal. And everyone takes care of you. In America, no. There's no healing. You go. And who takes care of you after you get birth? Nobody. Because your OB is like, see you later. I did my job. And we found out the number one prescriber of post- Partum depression was a pediatrician because they diagnosed the mother at the office, which is ridiculous because it's a daughter, it's a doctor for small people. Mm-hmm. So there's this gap, right? It's this big but, gap. But weren't those pediatricians correct in giving these women? Correct, but nobody else is there to help them. At the end of the day, there should be some care in between. Yeah. You know, your OB sees you one time after you get birth, like a couple, like 12 weeks after birth, and you get a 15 minute session. Mm-hmm. And it's see you later. Have a good life. Okay. So how? Okay. What's the name? You're Ruth. It's called Ruth Health, and it's also because it's named after Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Is it really? So the eve of her passing, my co-founder and I were crying and texting each other, and she says, "We will now and always be ruthless." Mm. And I was like, "Ooh, let's call ourselves Ruth Health because we didn't have a name, and we're like, we love it." And her grandmother's name happened to be Ruth, so we went with it. And Ruth our, is a strong woman in the Bible. She is. I mean, you know, if you're, yeah, Old Testament style. You're like, if you're into that kind of Well, thing. I mean, Old Testament style, right? <laughs> and her corporate name is Ruth Lesko. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's like okay. Ruthless Records, right? That, Which was pretty awesome in WA. Yeah. Um, okay. So what what services do you guys provide? So we're a telehealth hub that provides service, to, you know, before you're pregnant, during your pregnant, after you're pregnant, we offer all the services. Um, one of our main things that we do is pelvic floor physical therapy and training, which is to strengthen your pelvic floor. Oh. So you can do this preventively before you get birth. But as you understand the thrust of getting birth, you know, a lot of things kind of just happen. And so there is preventative ways, right? One of the things that a lot of women do is they want the snapback body. Mm. Bad culture, right? Well, we, it's great. We see we see these celebrities do it, and we get this crazy belief that anybody can do it, right? But it's not normal. So what happens is we have patients that go running. They go on the treadmill, and they're like, oh, it did not make things better. And I'm like, yeah, you got to pull up, not push up more. So there's a lot I can get into, but it's it's pretty gnarly, you know? Okay. Is, is what you guys do covered by insurance? Uh, some insurances, yes. Medicaid is actually covering this now Medicaid and if you have regular insurance it doesn't really cover it but we're also isn't that backwards yeah exactly super backwards huh so the government will pay for it yeah they, they're paying for like six months I think it depends on what state you are for Medicaid but right. yes there is um, the Biden administration did put in postnatal care because it is important Hell because yeah. what happens is women don't go back to work right and that's the problem that's right because of their health issues or they feel like this is just like, I can't go to work because every time I sneeze or laugh, I pee a little. Mm. That's horrible. Especially like, what if you're like a frontline worker? Mm. You can't go to the bathroom every five minutes. If you had a desk job, you could, Mm -hmm. but you can't. You're on your feet and it's completely inequitable. And so you connect doctors with patients? We actually don't work with the MDs. We work with doulas. We work with trainers. Um, we work with the British nurses. We kind of bypass the doctor here because we don't necessarily think it's 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 important for this kind of like what we like to call interstitial care. Uh, we do have a chief medical officer. She's my co-founder's mother and a 40-year OBGYN. 
Ooh, perfect. Yeah, she had her own practice where she only hired women, and apparently the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, um, okay, there's a lot of pregnant ladies out there right mm-hmm. now. Cause COVID I, babies, yeah. Is COVID babies a real thing? Oh, hell yeah. So everyone was like, the birth rate's falling. I'm like, what is anybody doing in COVID? Especially the early months, except <laughs> probably procreating. There's been an immense amount of COVID babies. Okay. So a woman has a, a COVID baby <laughs> and she's hearing this. Well, we also provide lactation consulting. You need to be consulted on that? Yes. Because breastfeeding is not intuitive. It doesn't just happen. And there are so many things that could happen to a woman. Um, just, you know, Tony, I'm not going to get into it because it's pretty horrific shit. But really? like the things that we go through as women, like even just like the tiniest period cramp, I think a man would just be dying. Like you have no idea, right? The things that we can do and how strong women are. But breastfeeding is challenging. Not everybody can do it. And which is why, you know, in the earlier generation, people just ended up bottle feeding because nobody was there to help them to have the baby latch. In a weird way, this is what Hillary Clinton was kind of saying about it takes a village. If there was a village or if there was an extended family like there used to be, maybe an aunt could help I out. Think a, yeah, I mean, in Asian and Latino culture, probably even in Jewish culture, you know, that's a thing. Like, we named it after Ruth because she's your grandma. She's your stern grandma. She's going to tell you what to do. So I've heard about, uh, I know I know nothing about this world, but I have heard about babies not latching. Yes. So you blame the baby for this? No, no, no. It's it's, it's no one's to blame. Because I want to blame the baby. Oh, I know. I mean, because, you know, I know. But they're so cute and it's really hard to. They are cute. But... So it, you can, if the baby's not latching, we the have, woman, the woman uses the app. There's no app. We have a, we have a one-on-one session. Through like FaceTime type of thing? Zoom, yeah. Great. Zoom is HIPAA compliant. And, oh, you have to worry about that? Oh, yeah. This patient data. The, the privacy. So, so Zoom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoom has like a, an SSL of some sort yes, that makes uh, things. pay for it, yeah. Interesting. So the baby not latching is no one's fault. It's just more of an educational thing. A try. What does this work? What does not work? And that's what a lactation consultant does. And everybody we hire is certified. So IBCLC, you know, it's um, you know, pretty high ranking. They're everyone's probably a mother themselves, multiple children. So mm-hmm. being able to have that safe space to actually talk about this, like we have patients that cry on sessions because it's the first time they're being allowed to talk about the havoc that just happened to them. Like I got torn in half. Like what happened? And we're like, it's okay. You know, we're he- we hear you. We want to help you heal. <clears throat> I love it. So it's a very loving but stern environment because we, we're no bullshit. Mm. Like kegels, that shit don't work. <laughs> Period. I don't care how fucking goopy you are and all that shit, but no. So they sign up on the web? It is through the web. It's a web app, but... Um, it is an app. But it's not, it's not an app you can download. So basically it's... A stork has to deliver it to you? Well, that's funny, isn't it? No, it's actually you could you can log on using your browser okay. on your phone. We need everything mobile friendly. Ruthhealth dot Ruthhealth dot com. Perfect. Yeah. And um, if you don't have insurance, it's cash pay. Okay. So what we are is actually like seventy percent cheaper than other services. Oh, good. So um, each all like each service itself, like we have an intro package, which is one twenty four for two sessions. And 124 bucks for two sessions that's pretty good could be anything you want lactation consulting public floor training c-section recovery is something we haven't talked about we have different product offerings so it's mix and match but that being said you know it brings it cost down quite a bit you know even if we're up at 99 per session general people that charge for this it's like 200 mm-hmm. so you're already saving half of it and we do take hsa fsa What's that? So a flexible spending account. Oh, good. Yeah. So we take that. So if you have a card from your employer insurance that has pre-tax dollars on it, we accept it. Why wouldn't health insurances want to cover this? There's just like, there is a need, right? They understand that there's numbers there, but depending on the coverage, like Kaiser will help you have a lactation consultant, but one. One session? Yeah. One session with a lactation consultant. That's it. Huh. And that's not enough. Sometimes it's enough. Yeah. But what if you're, you know, there's a lot of other things that happen, like your your clocks could get, your your ducts get clogged, and mm. all sorts of things where you would actually have to go get antibiotics, which you can 
avoid by having a lactation consultant and knowing that, okay, my ducts are clogged, but there are things I can do to remedy this without having to go on antibiotics because that's just pretty extreme. Yeah. And if you're still breastfeeding, it's like not the best thing. What's the future look like for Ruth Health? Oh, my gosh. We are now a team. Oh, my God. As of yesterday, we were a team of eight, but now we're a team of 11. So we raised $3.1 million in venture funding. Because these investors believe Yeah, that we're mission-driven. They believe in that. That this is going to be profitable at some point? Well, maternal mortality is pretty shit in the U.S. I mean, Kamala Harris talked about that recently. It's, yeah. it's pretty bad. For a developed country, it's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. So our overall like mission driven is to improve the maternal mortality rate, which is not hard to do because it's so abysmal. Mm -hmm. um, but these investors, a lot of them are mission driven. They believe in us. They believe in myself and my co-founder, Alison Greenberg. They believe in our vision. They believe in our passion. Um, and this is my third startup. Mm. Yeah. Um, but again... Investors only invest in things that they think can make money. So Femtech is really hot right now, right? Because all of a sudden, we matter. Hmm. So there's a lot of Femtech companies coming up. <laughs> a lot of them are focused on fertility, which is sort of not our jam. Um, some are just like the whole woman health. Because, yes, our care has been disparate and it's not been continuous. And there's just a lot of inequities in our space. Like Mike, Allison and I actually started a previous company before Ruth. And it was for a medical device that women are – that's used on women during um, pap smears. Mm -hmm. It's called speculum. And any woman will know it's a fucking horror show. It's basically, that's, that, that's that metal thing that spreads you out, right? Yeah. You know what it is. It's a tire jack. Okay. <laughs> How would you like that up your butt? Nah. Right. right? Yeah. So our first project was actually developing better speculum, which we actually got two FDA grants for. Hmm. The problem is hardware is hard. Is it? It's hard. Nobody wants to fund it. Hmm. And so we took it as far as we could with the two grants, but we realized that we could affect everyday lives faster with something like Ruth Health. Right. And especially at a high touch point of a woman's life where she's going to the doctor all the time, mm -hmm. pregnancy. So we birthed this concept. A friend of mine uh, is is making a movie about that, that pap smear experience. Uh, can you please introduce us? I would love to. I have a whole, oh my God, we have this whole thing. We built a better speculum. I would love to because she basically said because that experience is so traumatic. Oh, yeah. A lot of women don't go they don't. when they should. Yes. And then worse things happen to yes. them. But also they discovered that um, a lot of the people performing this tests are men. Yes. And so what they decided to do, these filmmakers is be the living like recipient of the speculum yeah so yeah. they could teach them how mm -hmm. to do it uh -huh. and say your hands are cold that was too hard you need to ask this oh don't ask that like that kind of thing it came to the genesis because i was actually wounded by one were you yeah you see all the health center okay there what yeah that's the best one of the best in the world right? oh they had it it was bad anyhow it was really traumatic for me and so traumatic that I didn't go to the doctor for a couple of years. But um, mm. that was one of the impetus is why we built Dioptra, which is a more comfortable speculum. Um, Allison's mom is a OBGYN, so she knew. And we were talking about this, like, why is it metal? Why does it still creak? Why do I feel like it's a tar jack? It creaks? Yeah. Eh, eh, eh. As they make it bigger, yeah. And then that? they have plastic ones that are supposed to be more comfortable. Yeah. Guess what? MDs have told us they have to sandpaper them down because the plastic is not cut right. So what on earth is going up my vagina? How come you guys just don't have all the guns and just kill all the I, men? We're hoping. I mean, we're trying, You're right? Like Ruth Health is like what's propelling it. We've got Diopter in our back pocket, which is the better speculum. We have a lot of ideas, mm. but we can only focus on one thing at a time and do it well. Let's move to Atwater Village. Okay. How long have you lived here? Oh, my goodness. So I moved to Los Feliz in Los Feliz. I'm Los Feliz in 2013. Were you a single lady at the time? I was. I just ended a engagement, actually. 
Yeah. Were you a runaway bride? No, no, no. We we kind of like we called it quits like a couple months before the wedding. It was very mutual. It was very much just like very respectful. Very much like we just are not right for each other. A lot of times people don't do that because the invitations are out. They were already out. Oh yeah. You 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 probably worked for a year to organize. Oh no, it was a fucking low key. I was gonna have it at Chayton Burt Chain Burt Burton Chase Park. I I was a low key bride. It was because you weren't super in love with the man. I mean, it just. I don't know. I mean, even my medical Mark was like a uh, wedding planner. I can't deal. I don't care about that shit. What do you care about? The relationship. I mean, like, great. Cool. I got to have a party. I got to find a dress. Awesome. This is going to suck because I got to find one that fits me. I want to do City Hall. Okay, hold on. Dresses don't fit you? No, no. It's just like the cut. You know, they don't fit right. And you don't find one that looks right on you or you're uncomfortable. No disrespect. You're a beautiful woman. You're petite. <laughs> What are you, five one? Four. Are you really? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you seem you seem Oh, it's just easy to dress is all I'm saying. Yeah, but it's hard, right? Are you not a girly girl? I am a girly girl, but I don't enjoy weddings. You don't like to go to other people's no, weddings. I don't like that and I don't like my I don't like it, weddings, it, period. You, you wear a flower dress, right? Like what's what's so hard? I don't know. I just don't like weddings, period. Um <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so for Okay, so you, yeah, you, you canceled that. You moved to Los Feliz. Mm-hmm. What street were you on in Los Feliz? Mm-hmm. Riverside. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Way down there. Mm-hmm. It's close to Outwater Village as you could get. Exactly. Why? Riverside and Glendale. Um, I lived in Venice, but it was like a very nice apartment. So I had to find a place here that had like a doorman because I got a lot of packages and I was ah. working from home. You know, I needed some full service. So there was like really only few places here that did that back then. I, I wouldn't even know that there was a, a doorman situation. In it's not really a doorman. It's just like a front office. It's Somebody's just, there. Yeah. Someone's there to get packages, to sign for things. That's great. Because um, I don't like to go to stores. So... I needed that kind of full service, and there was only one building that did it, and it was, like, so much cheaper than my other. It was, like, ridiculously. It was, like, half the cost. Compared to Venice. Yeah. Like, awesome. Whoa. But it wasn't as nice, but. Did the um, five freeway bother you at night? Could you hear it? No. Good. Mm-mm. Good. So, you're a single lady. Mm-hmm. Are you going to the bars in Atwater? Are you going to Bigfoot? Are you going to no. Club Teehee? You know, I've only been to Bigfoot in um, Culver- Venice or Culver City. I've never Bigfoot, been- Bigfoot West? I've never been to this one. Um, That's good. PG, yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, no, I was just kind of doing adult people stuff, you know? Just working all Dinners, the time? Dinners, hanging out with people, you know, meeting oh. friends. Yeah, I wasn't like going clubbing, if you were, if you're asking. I'm not asking that. Oh, can't do that. Yeah, no. Okay, so you would go to dinner parties. Yeah. And your friends would hook you up with people. No. <laughs> it was more just organic. Like, I was just kind of, like, figuring myself out again, you know? Like, moving across town was like moving to another city. Right. It was huge. It was a huge. And it was, like, a whole new thing. Like, oh, my gosh, my life's different now. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. LA's crazy like that. It's like, a, it's like I never actually ever spent time on the east side. Even I've lived here forever and I never was the east side. I was always like west sider because that's kind of like UCLA and where I grew up, you know, where I initially grew up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is a whole ecosystem here. That's pretty amazing. I love it here. I mean, people are like, what's it like? I'm like, oh, it's like Williamsburg, I guess, compared to New York. Is that a good thing? Yeah, it's hipster. You know, it's hipster, but it's creative. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about it is that you're not going to find like a rag and bone store or something like that. Right. That's just, that's not happening on the street in Glendale. And, you know, just for the audience to know, I live really basically on the main strip. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it here. I was coming here anyways, at least two times a week. You've got two dogs and a cat. Mm-hmm. It's probably a very nice place to have dogs. You can walk. Yes. Yeah. I mean, listen, when we were in Los Feliz, we had that nice park, um, the Maholland aqueduct. But um, a lot of changes happened, you know, throughout COVID, throughout, like, the homelessness situation. Mm-hmm. And we had left before all that happened. But um, it was just a beautiful park that we would hang out and take our dogs to. Where'd you meet your husband? <laughs> at a Sunday fun day. And I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Were you drunk? Is that what you're trying no, to say? No, no, no. It was a get-together with friends. Okay. Yeah. D- was it love at first sight? No. You had a girlfriend. <laughs> oh really yeah I think I think like we met because I was hanging out with a friend of hers yeah that's kind of all came together but 
you know, I met him and I was like, oh, I should dig guys like this. Like, he's got his shit together. Like, what am I doing with these other guys? But we didn't connect until a couple months later. So um, you introduce yourselves, you meet, and just him no. talking to you. No, so we actually reconnected online. And I actually didn't remember him, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Because I was newly single and I had waited a few months before I really started dating just to be kind of like respectful and I had, you know, all this stuff. So I think I met him like the day when I was December 30th. Yeah, wow. Of 2013. See, not only are women tough, but you guys remember shit. Well, I only remember it because it was the last date I went on. I, I had date, you know, and I was dating, had dated and it was kind of fun and all that. But I was like, okay, fine. I'll do one more date for the end of the year why not and it was with mark and he just was like i remember you i'm like what from what like social media like i don't he's no he said i know you and i was really freaked out because i thought do you follow me on twitter because you know i used to be really active on twitter and i'm becoming more active again just because i took a three hour three two and a half year break but i'm more active now but i felt that maybe because i had met other friends on twitter so it wasn't unusual that because I would go to events and people are like, hey, I follow you on Twitter. I'm like, that's so cool. And I made a lot of Twitter friends. So it wasn't unusual. So to frame that, it wasn't like I'm famous. It was just like, were you a Twitter friend? Mm -hmm. So that was unusual. But then we kind of put two in together. And I was like, oh, my God, I met you through so-and-so. And he was like, yeah, we're broken up. Uh -huh. And so it was one of those things where I felt like I already met him because I met some friends of him. Right. Who we still hang out with to this day. Mm -hmm. So I remember like thinking – you know, cool guy. And then, I don't know, it just worked out. So we've been together for a very long time. How long? 2014 and on. So what are eight we, years. eight years? Yeah. And you're in Atwater Village. Yeah. Do you want to stay in Atwater Village? Yeah, but the inventory here is bad. Well, you only need one. Yeah, I know, but we love our house right now. We're really lucky. We just got this piece. It's a mid-century modern. It is. This is like um, where I would store my records if exact I was... Uh... Well, yes, that's the debate right now. The records are in the garage. They're not going oh, in there. Oh, you guys have vinyl? Yes, tons. Do you oh, really? Mm -hmm. Is it yours or his, his or both? His. He's got just a ton a, of vinyl. Did you know he was a DJ? No, what kind of DJ? Oh, my God. Is He was like Mark Danger. That was his name. <laughs> <laughs> like for bar mitzvahs? No, like at the Avalon shit. Well, you just you just scoffed clubbing. Well, I wasn't. And I agreed with you. Yeah, but the, I didn't go I, back then. I, I didn't mean, either. I didn't know him, but yeah, that was his jam. Mark Dane, you married Mark Danger. I did mark Mark Danger. Yeah, <laughs> somebody know him. Do you want to be Aud Audrey Danger? No, I'm Audrey Wu. <laughs> you can separate that part. You you you're an a hyphenated. Oh, only on Facebook. It's for his family. To make them happy. So they can. Make connections to it, yeah. You oh, you didn't you didn't want to take his name? My uh, no, professionally, why would I? I've had a great career. Why would I change my name? It's confusing for everybody. Like I don't care that much. It's just Audrey Woods. Let's keep it easy. We have to change all your fucking bank accounts and shit, like your social security card. Like it's a lot of work. I'm just asking questions. No, here. I, I'm like lazy. No. <laughs> Could that be a startup? Change your change your your name easy dot com. I'm sure there's a. I'm sure, yeah. I, I imagine there could be an easy way to do it. I, I just didn't explore, but perhaps. But it doesn't seem like it is. Because I've heard other people say things like this. It's too hard? Yeah. I don't even want to begin to Google it. Exactly. Therefore, there's a business a model. Start. Well, there you go. There, that was your idea. <laughs> talk about lazy. I'm the laziest. I have ideas all day. I would rather just talk to people. I have ideas all day, too. That's why I'm a startup founder. <laughs> What is your best tip for fellow entrepreneurs? Oh, my gosh. Um, Especially, how do you raise three million bucks? Oh, that was tough. Um, for those in the tech industry, they may, know, they may know what is called Y Combinator, which is essentially Silicon Valley's mafia. Oh, is it? It's a startup. Do you know what Y Combinator is? Not really. It's an accelerator. It's like you... It's global now. Is an accelerator different than an incubator? Same thing. Okay. Except they so get... it's so it's a it's it's a rich 
they give you money. They give you money to be part of the program and they take a certain percentage of equity. Now, Y Combinator, I didn't. And sometimes they let you use their office space. Yeah, they, they, before COVID, yes, you were up there in Mountain View, and which is why I was like, Y Combinator, Mountain View. No, I'm not doing that. But when it became global. It, I'm sorry, I'm sorry yeah. I keep interrupting you. Wasn't there a famous one in Pasadena? Uh, Ideal Lab? Ideal Lab. Yeah, Steve Gross. Right. Yeah. So I remember visiting there in 2000. Yeah. And they had a little, yes. little startups in their building. So Y Combinator actually has backed uh, Airbnb, oh. uh, Stripe. Uh, they've had a lot of unicorns. Their acceptance rate is like 1.5%. And they dictate, they literally control the reins of Silicon Valley. The reason we raised 3.1 is, of course, we're awesome. But <laughs> we're also two female founders that are LGBTQ and BIPOC-led. And what? LGBTQ and BIPOC. Because my co-founder's 30, I'm very woke, quote, quote, ah. I'm one of these things. Um, so we are a queer minority company. Let's make it easier. Great. Thank you. And that already. She's the queer, you're the minority. Yes. <laughs> and there's already like a very difficult thing for just women, period. Yeah. Now, when you get into this incubator program, um, because they've incubated so many amazing companies and made a bazillion dollars off of all these unicorns, um, they hold the reins to Silicon Valley. It's very strange. So you do this program and you graduate, and literally we got a hundred investors coming into us. So it's a good mafia. Yeah, it is a good mafia. But before we got into the mafia, it was very hard to raise. Right. It was like it took us five months to get six hundred thousand dollars. And then two months later, three months later, we turn around and raise 2.4 on top of that. How, five. how did you get into the Y Combinator? Application. You just wrote it down. We basically, so we didn't actually take it that seriously. So here's the thing about Y Combinator. People apply like up to like 10 times and don't get in. We got in first shot. Look at that. And that was because we took it as an exercise in actually figuring out what the fuck we were going to do with our company. And the questions are good. And I'll say that, you know, Allison's a fantastic writer, and I'm a good writer, too. So between the two of us, being able to very coherently and very focusedly say exactly what problems we're solving, um, that got us through the door. And so then there's an interview? Interview, yes. It's a it's usually a 10-minute interview. Uh, our stretch, Only 10 minutes? Yeah, it's really stressful. Um, our stretch to almost like 15, 20, because they had a lot of questions. Good. It was good, but it was also very nerve-wracking because we're like, what the hell does this mean? You know, you overthink it because then you go onto Reddit and you go into other places and all these founders are like psyching each other out. And you're like, oh my God. Is it like Shark Tank a little bit? It's so like Shark Tank, yeah. Mm. You literally get 10 minutes and they ask you all these hard questions and then they call you like within 24 hours to let you know. Well, thank God for that. It's very stressful. Trust me, it was very stressful. And Longest 24 hours of your life. It was really rough. I mean, we got an email later that evening about like who's running the technology and I'm like, no one, because we're not a company yet. <laughs> and did you? How well, did you, how so did you we said, say that. So basically, they said to me, "TBD." Well, they said so. I had a former company that was a software company, and I had a co-founder and CTO that I'm really close with, and he was advising us. And he's like, "Give him some equity, make him a full-time founder, and have him join Long Combinator." And we're like, "Uh, okay, cool." And we didn't do it. Oh, really? He's our CTO now, but. Right. It just wasn't the right time because when you're still trying to figure out your business model, why the hell do I need someone like coding? What is he coding? <laughs> like, there's nothing to do. Right. Are you coding some like basically what we call tech debt? You're just you're creating like a hole for yourself. Okay. It. it I'm not here to diss anybody or or paint anybody in a bad light. It does. Y Combinator have good advice for you too or are they just the mafia that can just give you the money and the money will fix the problems i think that because we're healthcare um there's less relevant advice just because there's not a lot of partners there that have experience now michael seibel who's the ceo of y combinator is is a black man oh yeah what he's really? one of the co-founders of justin tv and twitch yeah michael seibel is a black man so he is the ceo of y combinator they're trying huh. they're really trying he was my group partner so he was our head partner so my, he's great, right? He's an entrepreneur, but what does Twitch do that has to relate to femtech, right? Not right. a lot. Yeah. But there is the idea of like, what do people want? Make something people want. Yes. Right? And that's the mentality way Commoner gives you. It pushes you to market, make something that people want to use. And that's across anything. 
So you did appreciate their I did. I did. I mean, it was very weird. Um, I felt like, wow, I'm a mediocre white man. Why is all this money coming at me? Like, this is not, this is very weird, but it leveled ish the playing field for us. But you're saying that mediocre white men are used to. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Getting money they don't deserve. Yeah. You have a stupid, Meanwhile, you have to work for it. You're yes, used to working for it. Yeah, you could have a stupid idea, stupid ass idea, and dropped out of Stanford, <laughs> no life experiences, and people just give you checks. Uh, is that what happened to your husband? <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> no, I would say Allison went to Yale, so that does help because Michael Seibel went to Yale too. Okay, speaking of your husband, mm-hmm. white man. Mm-hmm. Were your parents okay with that? Yeah, dude, they were just like, get fucking married, <laughs> please. Because why? You're not going to have a big bash. Well, it's like, hello, you're getting old. Like, you know, get married. <laughs> okay. Um, had you date Asian men before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, exclusively only when I first moved to New York. Oh, really? Yeah, it actually really narrowed down to like only Taiwanese men. So that's like oh. a very small demographic of Taiwanese American people. Were there Taiwanese men at UCLA? No. Huh. I met them in New York. So, and so you were curious. What, yeah, what's it like? just like, oh, I want to date a guy with the same culture as me, you know, and then you what, realize they're all friends with each other. And so after, oh, all the boys are friends. With oh, my each God. Other. After you date all of them and you see them all talking together at the bar, it's horrific. And that's that was a moment. So I dated a bunch of Taiwanese guys, lawyers, doctors, all the things. Right. Because, you know, that's what you do. And <laughs> then I go to this party and I step in. And I'm like, they're all talking to each other at the bar. This is so gross. Oh, my God. I got to get out of here I can't date any more guys like this so that's when I was like I'm just gonna date anything I mean I can't have this insular community talking to each other because the fact you all having drinks together is like disgusting (laughs) so and I don't want to see it I don't want to be there you can I just want to see it were those relationships that you had with those men reasonably normal no oh no they were all dramatic therefore you don't want them talking yeah I see. It's very bad who was the cause of the drama probably me I mean listen I was 20 I was crazy I don't know what kind of drama were you causing in New York in your 20s? Oh, my God. I mean, it's just... Were you, were you doing it just to liven things up? I think that, um, you know, I was very different then. You know, I'm not... Wasn't matured. I think there was a lot of just anxiety overriding at all of it. Um, anxiety over what? Just, you know, stuff. I mean, I'm dealing with this. I'm trying to figure this out right now. Like, why oh, was I you? so crazy? Um, I think it was just more of the anxiety and sort of expectations that for some reason I had in my head and a lot of it was just me fighting with myself every day. That's what I'm going to put down to. The reason I was causing drama in my 20s with wonderful women is I didn't want to get married. Mm. And so the best way to do that is either date crazy women, mm. which... I learned later that that's the easy way to do it. Or you screw it up yourself. You sabotage it yourself. Do you think you felt the same way? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe I just knew none of it was going to work out. So I was just being an extra asshole. But I don't really know. I mean, these days, I don't care as much. Did these men want to marry you? No. We were all young. Just having a good time in New York. Yeah. So there wasn't need for drama. Yeah, but I felt like there should have been. You know, I was just kind of dramatic. I mean, very dramatic. Now to look back at it, I'm like, oh, my God. Like. Oh, my God. Really? Over that one? Are you kidding me? What's the best restaurant in Atwater? Oh, ooh, that's a hard one. Name names. Oh, I mean. Is this Bon Vivant thing any good? Bon Vivant is good in the sense that everybody will find something they like. Okay. So it's very even keeled, right? It's So I'm actually, I like Vietnamese food, and there's three Vietnamese restaurants on the street. Are there really? Yeah, so there's Blossom. Wait a second. That used to be in downtown? Yeah, there's a well, And there's also one here. in Silver Lake? Yeah, there's a Blossom. They closed in Silver Lake? Yeah, and then they opened in here. There's a Blossom. I love Blossom. There's a Indochine Viet. And then there's a... No, no, I'm Across sorry. the street, there's one yeah. too, right? Yeah, Indochine across the street. And then there's another one down the street here that's Northern Vietnamese uh, Viet Noodle or something like that. There's three places. Oh, More Hero which is attached to one of the noodle places. More Hero is a James Beard winning chef. Oh. And you can do only omakase there. It's sushi? Yeah. More Hero is like, he how, mills how? his own rice. It's, it's yeah. So he opened a place down so here. So he's a damn show off. He No, he's like a, this older Japanese man who's James Beard winner. It's impo- really hard to get reservations. What's his name there. again? More Hero. 
Hmm. And that is the name of his restaurant. Where was he before here? I think he was in the valley somewhere. Interesting. And you've been there many times. Yeah. How much? Two hundred bucks, right? More. More than that. Yeah. Is it worth two hundred bucks? Plus. Um, it's the yeah. It actually is really good. I mean, it's really fresh, and being able to see him work is kind of magical. Um, you'll see a lot of like food critics there. Oh. They're at their regulars. They're at the bar. They well, know because I mean that's that's mashihita uh, type prices. Yeah. Yes. Right? That's Nobu prices. Yeah. Yeah. But it's actually because more heroes still making. He's still like milling the rice and making the sushi. Like, he's, he's the guy. Him. Yeah. He's you're the paying guy. the guy. He. You're watching him make magic, and it's the symphony on the plate. Is it really? It's delicious. It's expensive as fuck, but it's good. And it looks pretty. Very, it was very, very Japanese, very Zen, very, very, very clean. You know, I mean, it's the fact they have like what the Aesop shit in the bathroom, you know, like I don't know what that is. Oh, it's a fancy ass soap. Um, <laughs> they better, yeah. So it's 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 fantastic. I mean, he's a legend. Is this one of those that there's only like 10 people in the whole? So you could fit more than that, but they only do two seatings a night, so it's really hard to get reservations. And we oh. do make a reservation, you have to put money down just to make a reservation because they're so popular. Like, we got a reservation at 6 o'clock recently, and we got there, and there were people already waiting in line to get in. We all had 6 o'clocks, but the door doesn't open until 6. They they did not want to miss this experience. It's it's. Have you been to other super high-end sushi places like this? Um, I mean, Nobu or... How does this compare? I just think that the um, artistry is just really amazing. Like, Nobu is so commoditized at this point that you don't know who's making your sushi. Mm. You know more Harold's making your sushi here. He's nice. there. He's making it, and he is curating the entire evenings. Everything's so delicate. Down to the, the dishes and the pottery, he, ma- he makes that all himself. Wow. All the dishes he creates, yeah. He's an artistic guy. He's just a creator. When I eat good sushi, it totally melts in my mouth. Yeah. Does everything there melt in your mouth? Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, depending on what you're getting, but yeah, it's all really, really good. And the rice does taste different than really good rice? He does his own rice. Um, some but you can taste the difference. Yeah, there, it's the way it's, the way it's, yeah, you can tell the difference. It looks a little different. So he might use a different varietal of rice to actually make his own rice, but there are restaurants in the neighborhood that actually use his rice and they'll say more hero rice. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a legend. Well, that's a great if you, way. To... If you can like interview him and get a free meal, I would do it. <laughs> would you? It doesn't sound like he needs me. Oh. Does he want it? Does he, he care? Loves, he likes having, I mean, I see the, the critics there. Yeah, but I mean, okay, I, I, fine. I'll try. <laughs> I'll see if he's down. But, you know. Cool. I'd rather talk to you about it. <laughs> because you will pay that kind of money for it because you see the value. I mean, I can now, right? Well, thank you, Audrey, so much for your your time today. Best of luck with Ruth Health. Thank you. Mm RuthHealth.com. And what's your Twitter handle? Okay, so it's Mr. Audrey Wu. There's a whole reason behind that. Yeah. Okay, so most of the time, because I travel so much, all of the travels under my name. So Mark, or whoever I had been with in the past, they would get a knock on the door and be like, Mr. Wu, Here's some courtesy, blah, 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 fruit and like pan-pang. And it was always a Mr. Wu thing, so it was kind of funny. So you're Mr. Audrey Wu. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much. Best of luck. Okay. Yay. How great was Audrey? You know who we'd go into business with? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, here's a Cuban dinner. Here's a case of wine. Here's a mid-century modern statement cabinet where you can store your vinyl. Every donation you hand over helps us keep this insane project a rolling. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Granke, Ben Welsh, Henry Furman, Jen Adams, The Lonely Chair, Trevor Wilson, and Bree Wilde. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you have to do is PayPal us 25 bucks or more, and we will list you on the Here in LA website that Mr. Mark Johnson is building, and it'll be there forever. You'll also be given a number to denote how early you got in. 
Angelino number one is Allie Miller. Two, George Wright. Three, Rita Joanne. Four, Jason Sutter. Five, Grant Houghton. Six, Rob Baker. Seven, Kev Chang. And eight is Brenda Garcia. <clears throat> Just PayPal your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you just gave $3 million to help women uh, after they give birth? It's fine. We can still help. You can still help. (laughs) Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. Oh my God, post two. Tweet something nice about us. Tell your friends. Tell them how Here in LA is spelled, and it's on Apple Podcasts and Google and even Spotify. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who's helped produce one adorable angel, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and Mark, aka Mr. Wu, for recommending his wife for this episode. Glendale, Glendale Boulevard! Boulevard.